What is up, everybody? Good morning. Good morning. Hope that you're having a fantastic Monday morning right here uh, with us. Good morning and welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy, Eddie D, right here on TikTok Live. Uh, we're going to be with you from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. and going the full two hours. Uh, so definitely grateful that we're here and excited to be among you guys on this morning. Uh, before we get started, we're going to jump right into prayer and then we're going to go over some go over go through some of the topics of the day and hope that you guys are having a fantastic day with us right here on TikTok Live. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. God, we're so grateful that you have gotten us through another week and are allowing us to start another week. Uh, in your presence. We're grateful, God, that you thought it not robbery to give us this opportunity to worship you in spirit and truth and to go about our, our regular routines and our regular schedules and our regular days uh, doing the things that you have called us to do, placing us in the places that you have um, helped called us to influence, uh, to uh, leverage our skills, our talents and our abilities for the glory of for the glory of your name. We ask God that on this day, on this show, that you just allow your presence just to just shine forth in everything that we say and do. Lord God, allow us to decrease in flesh that you may increase in spirit and just render to uh, your people a word that will edify, magnify, deliver and set free. For the one who is not, may this word touch those who don't have a walk with you, that they may grow to love you, may grow to bless you, may grow to honor you, may grow to cherish you. Lord God, as we the believers do. Uh, and we ask, Lord God, that you just continue to shower down your blessings upon each and every one of us. Lord God, protect us from all danger seen and unseen. We thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy throughout the um, efforts of uh, the recovery process of Hurricane Adalia. We're asking, Lord God, that you be with those who have been deeply impacted in Morocco uh, in the, with the earthquake that happened over there. Lord God, asking and praying for your for your mercy and for your grace for for everyone that's going through something, Lord God, that you just continue to strengthen and encourage them to let them know that, God, you still reign on the throne and that nothing has caught you off guard and that you are uh, still that you are still in charge of everything that's going on in this world, God. And we're just so grateful uh, that you have uh, thought it not robbery to allow us to get to know you on a deep and, 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 and personal level um, as it has been prescribed in your word. And we thank your son, Jesus Christ, who paved the way for it all by dying on the cross for our sins and for rising again, God, and allowing us to evade the penalty of death upon repentance and belief in you. Lord God, we're grateful and we give your name all praise, glory and honor. And it's in Jesus name that we pray. Amen. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We, we appreciate y'all so, so much for just taking the opportunity to get on the live with us today. Uh, today, I got a few topics on my mind that we're going to be talking about, um, but we're going to start off with uh, this one here. Um, and so I was in a therapy session on um, on last Friday uh, with a with a with a, a wonderful woman. Um, and she was telling me that you know, that her husband um, was basically telling her that she that they needed to get a divorce. And and he and it completely caught her off guard. And she was like, I don't understand. Why is it that you want to get a divorce from me? Why is it that you don't want to be with me anymore? What's been going on to where all of a sudden you don't want to be with me anymore? 
And he told her that God told him that in order for him to do whatever it is that he got, that he has to do in his life, that it will require him to not be responsible for his wife or to be responsible for his kids. Um, that he needed to go off and do what he needed to do. And he had to do so while not being married and not being a father. And it, and it completely blindsided her. Uh, she went into prayer and began was wondering like, God, is this so, you know, is this true? Like, is this what you're really asking of, um, of, of him to do? And when she came out of her, you know, out of her prayer, you know, her, um, in, in, in the process that she went through, uh, she came back out and God told her, no, that's, that's not me. That's not so that's not what I am requiring of him. It's not what I'm requiring of anyone. Um, and she walked out of there. It was like, she walked out of her, you know, war room as she put it and said, no, God, I don't believe that this is what God is prescribing. Like there is no reason to blow up our entire marriage. Like what's really going on? What's, what are you, what is, what's, what's happening to where you don't want to be married to me anymore. And he then broke down and was like, you know, I, 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 you know, just, I'm not happy here. I'm not happy anymore. And, you know, I need to go be happy. And don't you want me to go be happy? And she said, that's all well and good, but why are you bringing God into this? Like, this is not what God you know, has asked of you to do. This is something that you want to do, but this is not what God wants you to do. Like you, you're, you're, this is what's confusing to me. Why are you saying that this is what God wants? Because it's clearly not what he would want in this space. Um, cause she, she come to find out that she had, that he had talked to, uh, his dad and his dad had said the same thing and that, you know, something, some journey that he had to go through, some generational breakthrough that he had to go through and come to find out that their family has a big history of, you know, of divorcing their spouses for unknown reasons and needing to go out and, 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 and find their happiness and find their joy and find their peace or whatever. And, and later on, you know, after he had talked about, you know, needing to implode his whole marriage and needing to not be responsible for the kids, he then would turn, he then turned around and said, you know, I still want to see the kids on, you know, the, on, on one, on a weekend once a month. And I still want to have them every other holiday. And she was like, that doesn't make sense. If you say that you're not supposed to be married and you're not supposed to, you know, t take care of your kids, why then are you going to have your kids on the weekend or have your kids every other holiday, like make that make sense. Like that's not making sense. So you're going to make, let me be the, be the parent. And then you get to be the superhero that, that I'm now, you know, the villain of, because they, when they're with you, they get to yeah, be free and do all everything that they want to do with you because you're their hero. But then when they come home and I'm telling them what to do and I'm telling them to get their lesson and all this type of stuff, you're, you're, you're going to be, I'm basically not their villain in their eyes and they're always going to be pining for you. No, you don't get to play the hero in their story. Um, you don't get to do this. And so, um, so she struggled both with the fact that that was going on in her, in her, you know, in the disillusion of her marriage and how to be honest with her children about what was going on with him and why he no longer wanted to be uh, married to them. And so I'm bringing all this up um, for two reasons that we're going to unpack today. Uh, the first is um, the, the idea of blasphemy. Um, blasphemy is, when, is what happens when you call something that is not of God 
of God and you call something that is of God, not of God. Um, when you, when you are, you know, using the Lord's name um, um, for vain reasons. Um, this man said that God told him to divorce his wife and divorce his kids and, and to, and basically sever ties with his kids. Now I am not of the mindset of anyone. Hey, what's going on? Shaquita Nicole looks like, okay, that's what's up, man. Um, I'm glad you're glad you're on. Um, so, you know, I'm of the mindset that if you feel like God is telling you something, I am not going to stand in your way. Like I, you know, if you, if you are determined that God told you something, you're determined that God has spoken to your life and you're determined that God makes you feel like you gotta, you know, you gotta do this or do that or whatever. I, I, I'm not one to stand in anybody's way, but I am a fruit inspector. And one of the ways that we know you, whether you, that we can at least, you know, inspect whether or not something that someone is saying or not saying is of God is that we have to examine the scriptures, examine the scriptures to see whether or not what God is, what you feel God is saying to you lines up with what he said in scripture. One person, um, uh, 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 um, Tim Ross, um, of, um, the basement, uh, you can catch his podcast every, I think every Tuesday and Thursday, um, live, um, he said it like this. He said the way that he recognized the voice of God is he studied the scripture because the studying the scripture is the voice of God. The scriptures are the voice of God. We as Christians believe that the scriptures are the God breathed, spirit led, spirit driven words of God. That yes, these words were written by men. No one, no one refutes that. But these words are the, are the breathed words of God by virtue of the Holy Spirit guiding his people to write these texts. And that is what we believe. We stand upon that principle. Therefore, the word of God is the voice of God. The way God speaks in the scriptures is the way that he will speak to us. And so whatever that whatever he prescribes to in the scriptures is the same thing that he would say to us today. As a result, if he's, if he's saying, using this as an example, he's saying divorce my wife, divorce and split from my kids. Where in scripture does that make sense? Where in scripture does that make sense? Because throughout scripture, you see God talking about the pattern of marriage, talking about marriage being an example of the relationship that Jesus has with the bride, the church. That he has uh, that he that the relationship that he has with that a relationship that a husband has with his wife that he has with his kids is a picture of the narrative that God has with us that that the husband should lay down their lives in such a way that it patterns the way that Christ laid down his life for the church that the love that we have for our brides and the love that we have for our children should be such to where it is a it is a reflection of the renown and the love and the joy that God has with us. So where in, where in the relationship that God has with us, do we find him divorcing himself from us? Like make that make sense. Where, where, where do we see Christ, you know, saying, you know, Oh, I'm not happy. So I'm going to cut myself off from you. Like make that make sense. The math doesn't math. Because Christ is not the type of not the type of savior who has 
you know, who who gets upset or gets frustrated over the tiniest little thing and then says, I want nothing else to do with you. No, God is patient with us. God is long suffering with us. God is honest with us. God speaks to us. God tells us when we've made, when we've fallen short of where we've made mistakes. But even in our mistakes, he has relentlessly pursued us in such a way to where, you know, he, 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 when we were yet in our sin, yet in our mess, yet in our issues, yet in our problems, he got on the cross and died that we may have a relationship with him, that we may be in communion with him, that we may, you know, love him and adore him. And in that, the pattern that we have with, with the pattern that we have in our relationship with God should be reflected in our relationships with our spouses. And so again, if, 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 if the, if what if God is telling you to do something, then again, let's be, again, if this is God that's telling you to do this, does what he does is, I'm sorry, is what he's saying to you something that he would say in scripture is that is that and if, if, it, and if it isn't then that's something that needs to be seriously considered and prayed on it's something that seriously needs to be considered and thought of really long and hard because again god would not tell us to do something that does not line up with his scripture definitely would that does not line up with what he says in the scriptures what he says in our what he says with us. So again, if he does not line up, if what he's saying to you does not line up with the words in his scriptures, then that is something that we have to really take. We have to really take seriously because once again, if we're not careful, if we're not, um, if we're not watching what it is that the scriptures are saying, we may run the risk of falling for anything that anyone or even our own machinations are saying to us, we got to remember Satan has powers too. And he has the ability to make himself in the appearance of an angel of light. And he has the ability to say things to us that can, that are deceptive to us. If we look back at Adam and Eve, when he talked to Adam and Eve, uh, when he talked to Eve, when it came to coming to eating off the tree, he said, did God really say and he used the words that God said and twisted them in such a way in order to deceive Eve and deceive Adam into eating of other forbidden fruit. In the same way, Satan will use scripture sometimes in order to get us to fall out of line with God. It is called a plausible argument. It's called a plausible argument, something that makes sense. And it makes sense because we wrap it up in scripture. This man tried to use God's word and try to use God's name to justify what he wanted to do, what he wanted to be, what he actually wanted to do. And in my estimation and my assumption was that there was somebody else he wanted to be with. And because there was somebody else he wanted to be with, he wanted to justify getting out of his marriage. So that way he could actually go be where he really wanted to be and go do what he really wanted to do with whom he wanted to do it with. But at the same time, wanted to look good in the eyes of his kids, wanted to look good in the eyes of his now ex-wife, wanted to look good in the eyes of his people to say, God told me that I had to divorce my wife, that God said that I'm breaking a generational, that I'm going through a generational breakthrough, that God said this is what I want. Nah, be honest with yourself and just say, I don't want to be married no more. Be honest and say, I'm tired of raising my kids. 
be honest and say, there's some hot tamale out there that I really want to be with, that I really want to talk to, that I really want to sleep with, and I don't want to do that and be married at the same time. Like, just be honest about what's really going on rather than trying to wrap God into what it is that you want to do in a means of trying to make yourself look good or make yourself feel better or to justify the evil that you want to do. God tells us in Romans chapter one that sometimes we will we will um, we will um, mistake we will um, replace the truth about God for a lie and worship creation rather than the Creator. And if we are so steeped in our sin and so steeped in our mess and so steeped in the things that we really want to do, God will give us over to a reprobated mind. And in that reprobated mind, we will end up doing things that we know that we that we know are blatantly wrong. And try to wrap them in, and so, and some of us will so will be so bold about it that we'll wrap God up in it, and then be celebrated by others. And we saw that happening with this guy. That not only did he wrap up, let me get a divorce from my wife, even though she hadn't done anything to divorce me in the first place. That 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 the um, war is getting divorced in the first place. Let me wrap this up in some God in some godliness, so that way, um, in my own self righteousness can feel justified in doing what I'm going to do. But then he went to his family and his family celebrated him. His family lauded him. His family said, yes, that's exactly what you what you need to do. And we got your back and we support you 100 percent. And we and we're going to and we're going to rock with this. And again, we see Romans chapter one in full effect. Where, again, you know, people will be given over to that reprobated mind. As a matter of fact, let me read it for you guys right here. In Romans chapter one, starting at verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, and birds, and animals, and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And so we see again that at some point, if we continue down the path that God, that, that, that we know is not of God, 
and we continue down that road, God will pave the way to where we continue to do the things that we know we ought not to do. We will say things that we know we ought not to say. We'll believe in things that we ought not to believe in. And so, um, and so again, I bring this up to recognize for us to recognize that, hey, that if we are to believe, if we are to believe in God, we have to know the voice of God. Because there will be times where Satan will say things to us that, and it will try to deceive us into thinking that it is of God when it's not. And if we're not careful, what we'll find ourselves doing is we'll fall in the trap of our flesh, fall in the trap of our temptations, and we'll try to wrap God in what we're doing in an attempt to try to do that, that which we know not to do. We, we know this ain't right. We know this ain't what we're supposed to be doing. We know this is not what we're supposed to be. We know this is not of God. Because we, we, so, come on, look, can we call a spade a spade? Sometimes we, we flat out know. But we will try so badly to wrap ourselves up in what we want to do and try to wrap it in Christianese. We try to, we try to convince ourselves that we are justified in what we're doing. We're, we, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. This is exactly what I'm supposed to do. And God is looking at us like, you know, you kid, you, you, you kidding, right? You, you kidding, right? Like, come on now. Like, you know, like, come on, come on, bro. You know, you know that they, you know that ain't me. You know that ain't me. Why are you, why are you doing that? And so we got to always be careful. We got to always be mindful that if we are doing, if we, if, if we are feeling led by God to do something, we got to make sure that it lines up with who he is in the scriptures. Because if what we're doing, of what we're saying God has called us to do, is not lining up with what he says in scripture, then we got to double check and make sure. We got to make sure that this is of him, that this, that this sounds like him, that it sounds like what he would say. It sounds like what he would do. It sounds like this is what God would actually tell anybody to do. And so, again, I'm not one to question. If you, if you feel beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is telling you to do something, you got to go with God. But I'm, but I'm saying be sure that what you are being told to do by God lines up with what God, what God says in his scriptures. The, the character and the nature of God in the scriptures. We make sure that who he is in script, that who, who we're hearing, who we're listening to, lines up with who this God is in the scriptures. Which then brings me to my second point. Um, we as Christians, uh, we are living in a day and age where the gospel has been watered down so badly, where we don't really know what the gospel is anymore. Uh, we, we, we got a lot of great preachers and a lot of great pastors um talent wise like they can they can wow a crowd they can they can make people believe they can you know move emotions they can move people to tears they can move people to making a commitment to the church and move people to making a commitment to god but the substance in what they're saying the substance of what they are preaching is so far away from the gospel of jesus christ it's so far away from the God of the scriptures. It's so far away from the, from the living water that, that, of the well that won't run dry. It's so far away from the bread of life that if we eat of, we'll never go hungry again. We have fallen so far away from what the gospel of Jesus Christ is that most of us can't even tell what it is anymore. And a lot of us are, are, are only being led by our emotions 
to listen to this pastor or to listen to that pastor or to read specific books or to um, listen to specific podcasts or to listen to specific people that are talking the way that we hear them, the way that we want to be heard. We want to be seen. We want things to resonate in our hearts and we want things to resonate in our, in, 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 you know, to resonate with us so badly that in, in, in doing so, we have forgotten and sometimes don't even know what the scriptures are, what the gospel is, what what the what the scriptures are meant to represent for us and how we are to study those study the scrolls in such a way to where we know and we're steeped in gospel truth. Some of us may have even known, may even know what the gospel is, but we have moved so far away from it because we feel like I got that already. I can move on to other things. I can move on to now the 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 the, the higher things of God, as some of us may try to put it. But what we have to remember is that we never can get away from the gospel. We never should walk away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We never should walk away from what God is trying to tell us. We should never walk away from the gospel truth. Because anytime we walk away from the gospel, we are walking away from the very thing that both saves and sustains. It saves and sustains. We have to be reminded on a daily, continual basis of that God saves, that he rescues, that he delivers, and that that is the foundation from which everything else grows. Like we don't, we never graduate from the gospel. We never graduate from the thing that saves us because the thing that saves us is the same thing that sustains us. So I'm saying that because for a lot of us, um, it's particularly with, with this, um, with this couple that, that um, the, with the husband of this couple, um, we can sometimes, we, we can sometimes when we forget the gospel, we are liable to fall for anything else that makes sense to us. And again, if we're not careful, we will take anything that anybody says. And because, oh, that really resonates with me. I'm going to wrap that up. I'm going to wrap my life up into that. And the thing that resonates with us sometimes is not the gospel. Let's call a spade a spade. The gospel is doing its real work when if something is said to you, sometimes you don't like it. The gospel does its real work when when something is said to you that is, you know, gospel gospel centered or gospel driven, it actually makes you sit down and think. Not every sermon that you hear ought to give you goosebumps and chills. Not every sermon that you hear should make you feel good on the inside. Not every sermon that you hear should make you jump and want to scream and want to holler and want to run all over the floor. Every sermon that you hear shouldn't want, shouldn't have you wanting to lift your hands up and say, thank you, Jesus. No, sometimes these scriptures should knock you down. Sometimes these scriptures should make should sit you flat on your butt and make you really think about what is going on in your life. Sometimes the gospel of Jesus Christ should be such to where it really cuts you and it makes you say, oh, man, oh, I really got to think about this thing rather than always wanting to jump up and holler and scream. You can tell when the gospel is doing its work, when you have some people who do not want to hear what you're saying. Every sermon that you preach should not bat a thousand. Every time you give the scriptures to someone, you shouldn't bat a thousand. Every time you give the word to somebody, somebody ought to get upset about it. 
They ain't got to necessarily be upset with you, but upset with the word because it's calling them to do something that they don't want to do. It's calling them to do something that they don't want to give up. It's calling them to do something that's making them more like Christ, but it's hurting them to be more like Christ. In the situation with this husband, this husband wanted to go out and do whatever it is that he wanted to do, whatever that thing is, whether it's cheat, whether it's I don't want to raise my kids no more, whether it's, you know, I don't want to be married no more, whatever the case is. And he had no grounds to divorce his wife. His wife was not doing anything wrong. His wife wasn't doing anything foul. And so in order to do what he wanted to do, again, in order to do what he really wanted to do, he had to jump over the cross. He had to jump, he had to bypass Jesus because Jesus would have confronted him and said, bruh, what it is that you want out there, that's not, that's not what you really want. And in my, in my word is telling you, this is not what you really want. So why are you pining for this thing out here that looks, that looks good, but it ain't gold. It's glittering, but it's not gold. Why are you wanting to implode your entire marriage? And implode your entire relationship with no justification whatsoever. You got a good wife. You got a good. You got good kids. You got a good life. Why are you imploding all of this for that? But then trying to wrap me up in it, like I told you to go get a divorce. I told you to go get to to implode your entire marriage. Why are you wrapping me up in that? That ain't me, and you know that ain't me. So in order for you to do what you want to do, you gonna have to jump over me. You gonna have to bypass me. You're going to have to lie about me. You're going to have to blaspheme my name in order to do what you really want to do. That is the gospel. That is what the gospel does. The gospel takes a cold, hard look at us and then puts us in the mirror and says, if you really want to do what you want to do, if you really want to do what you want to do, you're going to have to jump over the cross. You're going to have to jump over me. You're going to have to um, ignore everything that I did for you. You're going to have to ignore everything that I'm doing in your life. You're going to have to get out of the process of sanctification. You're going to have to get out of the process of being molded and shaped into my image. Because in order to do what you want to do, you got you to gotta fall way away from, from who I am and from what I'm calling for you to do and what, I'm, what you are responsible for in your life in order to go and do that thing that you want to do. That is what the gospel does. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not something that feels good all the time. And, you know, in, 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 in nowadays, a lot of your sermons and a lot of your preachers and a lot of your pastors do not want to preach hard truth anymore. They want to preach things that resonate, that make us feel good, that make us feel some type of way, that make us feel like, oh, yes, you know, God is so good and God is love and God is great and God loves me and da, 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 da. And yes, those things are true. I am not refuting that, but there are some things that in, in the love of God, he's got to give us some hard truth. He's got to, he's got to hurt our feelings. Sometimes he's got to make us feel like, oh my God, you know, I can't believe that you, that, that God would make me have to give this thing up. I can't believe that God would make me feel some type of way. Like, oh my goodness. Like that really hurt, but it's supposed to what good father would withhold chastisement from his children. What good father would not lead his children in the path of righteousness? What good father would not lead his children in such a way to where he's being, where they're being molded and shaped into his image? What good father would withhold the love that he has for them by allowing them to do whatever they want to do? We, 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 we want to be spoiled. We want to be spoiled rotten. 
But being spoiled rotten does not make us, you know, does not make us the children of God that God has called us to be. Like if I allow my kids to just go running ramshod all over the place and doing whatever they want to do, you know, that doesn't make me a good father just because I'm providing or just because I'm, you know, you know, I got I got them a roof over their heads or what or, or, you know, I give them everything that they want. No, I got to lead them. I got to lead them in how to be good. Well, in my, in my case, I got to lead them into being good women. You know, I got to lead them into being godly women. I got to lead them into being women of righteousness. I got to do I got to do that work. Just like God does for us, he leads us down the path of righteousness. And sometimes going down that path means he's got to give us hard truth. But if we're not, if we're not willing to withstand hard truth, if we're not willing to listen to the full counsel of God, not just the peace of God that we want to hear, but the full counsel of God, the full weight of eternal glory, then we are only allowing God to show us a side of him that resonates with us. And we got to come to, we got to come to the place where we allow this to where if those, in those times where we hear something that we don't like, we hear something that doesn't, that ain't, that ain't resonating with us. As we like to say, this little buzzword we like to say nowadays, it doesn't resonate with us. We actually can sit down and think about, you know, say la, think about what it is that God has actually told us. What is it that he's saying to us? What is it that, you know, the scriptures are challenging us about? And how can we pattern our lives in such a way to where it's not that we get what we want, but that we become more like Jesus? When we when Jesus becomes the most important thing in our lives, when being made to made more like him, being more like him, shaping ourselves to be more like him, we are then saying to God, whatever you got to do to make me more like you, God, do it. Whatever you got to do, because I want to be more like you. When I treasure Christ as the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, the greatest treasure that I could ever have, the greatest love that I could ever possess, I am giving God permission. And I use those quotation marks for a reason, because who are we to tell God what to do, right? But we give God permission to run ramshod in our lives and make us more like him. Whatever you got to do, make me more like you. If you, if you got to take something from me, do it to make me more like you. If you got to rip something from my hands, do it to make me more like you. If you got to take, if you got to cut some stuff off of me, do it to make me more like you. If you got to expose me for the fraud that I am, do what you got to do to make me more like you. Where this husband messed up is that when his wife, when, when she went to God and asked God, God, are you telling us to get a divorce? I, I, are you telling us this? I'm, I'm, I'm asking because he said, my husband said that you said we need to get a divorce. So did you tell me that? Are you telling us that? When she came out of that room and God revealed to her, I ain't said that. That man is lying to you. When she went and confronted him on that thing. That was his moment. That was his moment to be to in contrition say, you right. God didn't tell me that. You know, I'm just so this or so that. I'm upset. I'm not happy or whatever the case is. And here is the reason why. If he would have used that moment to be in the exposure that God had put in his life and said, I'm, I, I'm not happy in this relationship. I'm not happy in this marriage. And here are my reasons why it is possible 
that that situation could have resolved itself where she's like, well, I wish you just would have told me instead of coming up with this cockamamie lie and trying to put God's name on it. But it's OK, because God died even for that. If, if you really love him, he died even for that. And so let's talk about that. Let's work on that. Let's fix that. Let's build on that. Let's let's figure things out because we ain't got to get a divorce for that. Like I can we can we can deal with that. Like we can fix that. That ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. But instead, he doubled down on what it is that he really wanted in that space. In that moment, that was his moment to be molded and shaped and to be more like Christ. The word that confronted him. God had confronted him through his wife saying that God ain't tell you to do that. God didn't tell you to do that. God would not tell you to do this. So what's really going on? That was his moment to put, to take his pride, to take his ego, to take his, the idols that he's worshiping, the things that he really wants and put them on the altar and say, God, burn these things up, burn these things up. So that way I can be more like you with, oh my gosh, we have to get out of the mindset we said this during the sermon yesterday. We got to get out of the mindset that God's job is to make our lives better in this life. We are not living for these 70 some years in, on this earth. We're living for the next life. We're living for the next journey. We're living for what's coming. We're living for the new heavens and the new earth as is prescribed in Revelation 21. If we want so badly for our lives to be perfect here on, in this life, not, not sometimes realizing, dude, this world is busted. This world is a mess. This world is a joke compared to what's coming. We want to be we want to be the light that shines in the darkness. No question about that. And we want we're going to let our light shine before others that they see our good works and glorify God. But we're not living in this life. So then we can sit in this life. No, we're living for the next thing to come. But if we are so focused on what we want in this world and what we want in this life, we will sometimes put God on the altar and sacrifice him for the things that we really want. And God is saying, no, nah, you got that thing twisted. You got to give me the things and let me burn those things up so you can so I can make you more like me. Because if I am the greatest thing that's ever happened to you, if I am the greatest treasure that you've ever possessed, if I'm the greatest thing that's ever happened in your life, then you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not have any other gods before me. And, and I will make it to where even when you even when you try, I'm going to make that I'm going I'm, I am going to make that thing such to where you're going to get what you want. I'm going to give I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you the, I'll give you what you want. But it's going to come with some heavy pricing. It's going to come with a heavy price. Listen, if you serve, if you serve, you know, if you serve the devil. Um, and serve your flesh and serve your passions and serve your temptations. You're going to have to give something up to do that. If you serve the Lord, if you serve Christ, if you follow the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to give something up. Because, again, in order to live this life, you're going to have to die to yourself. <clears throat> if you're going to be about this Christian race, you're going to have to die to yourself. You have to die to your agenda. You have to die to your passions, you have to die to your lusts, go die to your dreams, die to your goals. And I'm not saying not to, to not go and pursue the things you want to pursue. But what I'm saying is if what you are pursuing, God says, I need that. Are you going to be willing to give it up? Because can we call a spade a spade? There are some things in this life that we've had to give up for God. And that thing hurt. It hurt like a mug. You ain't want to get that up. 
You weren't trying to give that up. You were hoping you could hold on to that. But God was like, nah, I'm going to need that too. Let me go ahead and get that off you real quick. Let me come on, run, run that, <laughs> run that this way. And it hurt. But if we say that God is the greatest thing that ever happened to us, if we repent it toward him and we're believing in him, we talk about this all the time. Repentance is when we say, I, all of my passions, all of my desires, all of my agendas, I denounce them and I'm turning towards you. My affections and my allegiance is to you, to you and only you, you at the uppermost, you at the uttermost. For God, I live, for God, I die. I'm renouncing my, my ultimate allegiance, my ultimate worship, my ultimate passions, my ultimate um, affections. I am denouncing everything else. And I put you, God, at the uppermost. That is what repentance is, that initial repentance. That's what that repentance is. And belief is saying, if I'm wrong about God, if I'm wrong about Christ, if I'm wrong about the Holy Spirit, and we get to these pearly gates, we get to the end times, and I'm wrong, and it ain't Jesus, I'm doomed. Because I believe in nothing else. Nothing else has my heart. Nothing else has my affection. Nothing else has my attention the way God does. And so if I'm wrong about him, that's game over. That, that's it for me. There is because I'm, I'm not I'm not rocking with anybody else. I'm not going on any other path. For Christ said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no man should come to the father but by me. So I'm, I'm, I'm rocking with him. There is no other path. There's no other path. There is no other path except the path of righteousness that Christ has given to us. He said, I am the way. There is no other way. And so again, that, and so because of that, I got to be willing to give up whatever it is that God says I have to give up. And I have to be willing to allow God to be God in my life. And when he opens up, when, he, when I'm opening up these scriptures and I'm hit with some hard truth, I got to be willing to eat it. I got to be willing to take it. I got to be willing to sit with it. I got to be willing to God, you know, I'm, I'm really upset right now with what you just told me because we in telling me what you just told me. That means I got to give something up that I don't want to give up. But if I want to be more like you, if I said I want to be more like Christ, then I got to give this thing up in order to be more like you. I don't want to, but I'm going, but I, I don't want to, but I want to because you've given me the heart of righteousness. You've given me the heart of flesh and that heart of flesh is saying we want to be more like God. So we got to give this up and it might hurt like a mug. But for God, we live and for God, we die. And it says, delight thyself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Asking it shall be given. Seeking ye shall find. Knocking the door shall be open to anyone who wants God's spirit. If you want more of God's spirit, he is willing and just to give you more of his spirit more of his love, more of his peace, more of his, um, his patience, more of his kindness, more of his forgiveness, more of his um, long suffering, more of his self-control. You want it. It is freely accessible to anyone. You want the living water that never runs dry. It is freely accessible to you. You want the bread of life. If you eat of it, you never go hungry again. You have a free, unlimited supply of the spiritual bread that is meant to nourish our souls. We have to be ever so mindful that when we are, when we say that we are saved, when we say that we are children of God, when we say that we are delivered by the power of God, we are saying that our souls are the most important thing to us when it comes to, when it comes to, when it comes to who we are. 
more than our bodies, more than our minds, more than our agendas, more than our um, our pleasures, more than our um, uh, ambitions. God is the most important thing in our lives. God is the most important thing that uh, that we could ever that we could ever desire. And our souls are what's are what's most important. God says heaven and earth is going to pass away. These bodies are going to pass away, but our souls are eternal and they have an eternal resting place. Now, where we decide to rest, it depends on who we decide to serve at the end of the day, but our souls are built for eternity and our souls are looking for eternity. And the only thing that can supply eternity is something eternal. And the only thing that's eternal is the everlasting father who sits in heaven um, and has come down through the person and work that eternity that that's that that sits in our souls in such a way to where we're able to now love, honor and treasure him in such a way to where we're able to walk in this world and walk in this life the way that he designed us to. And so, again, I'm saying all that to say that we have to be ever so careful that we are not falling for counterfeit gods, that we are not falling for counterfeit gospels. That we are not falling for words that sound so good to our hearts, but they're doing so much damage to our souls. They make us feel real good in the flesh, but our souls are crying out saying, "Uh uh-uh, nah, bruh, this ain't it. Nah, sis, this ain't it. That we got to be ever so careful that we're not taking the scriptures and twisting them to bend to our will. That we're not taking the things that we want and trying to wrap them up in Christianese in an attempt to try to, you know, fool people into thinking that this is the will of the Lord. Because reality, what we're really trying to do is fool ourselves so we can feel good about what we really want to do. And we know good and daggum well, this ain't what God wanted. This ain't how God, you know, um, you know, planned it. This ain't how God wrote this. This is foul on so many different levels. And so, again, I'm saying all that to say. We got to be ever so careful and ever so man, ever so mindful that that we are not putting ourselves in a position where we are allowing people or allowing the things or allowing our agendas or allowing our temptations or allowing our passions to trap us in such a way to where when God provides us with the road of escape, we don't even see it again with this husband. When his wife confronted him, that was the door. That was the door. Hey, man, walk through it. Walk through it. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. And, and, and we got to be ever so careful that when God provides the way of escape, that we take advantage of what God gives us. Because here's the thing I love about God. There may be some times where we make mistakes and we fall short and we do things we know we shouldn't do. I knew you're going to fall short. I knew you're going to make mistakes. I knew something. I knew something foul was going was gonna to run them up. So, you know, it's not that you caught me off guard. It's just now that you see. Now that you know, come back home. Just just come back home. Come back to me. Return back to me. Run back to the safety that God has given us. Run back to the arms of the one who loves you. Because come back. You don't have to go anywhere. You know, I'm not, I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. So just come back to me. The thing I love about the story of the prodigal son is that the prodigal son, he left his, he left the dad, but the dad never really left him. The dad always knew what was going on with him, but the dad let him know. I mean, let him go and do what he did. But when he came back home, the, the prodigal son, prodigal son's like, man, listen, I'm just going to be a servant in your house. You know, I don't deserve to be your son. 
I'll just be a servant in your house. And dad was like, in what universe are you going to be just a servant? You are my son. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> Come back home. <laughs> like, no, nah, we got the we got the best reserve for you. And the, 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 the other son was, was frustrated. He was upset. You know, he was like, ah, oh, man, you, I'm a, you allow this, you allow this son, you know, who been, who did all this stuff and did all this mess. You, you, um, you, you, you just gonna let him back in the house. And he was like, you know, he was like, what about me? I've been here the whole time. I've done everything you asked me to do. I've done everything you asked me. To, I've done everything. You never give me parties. You never give me anything. And he's like, well, son, everything I have is yours. You know, you can have whatever you want. You want a party? Throw down. Like I didn't, I never stopped you from having it. You know, I just need him to know that he that I love him. I need him to know that I care about him. I need him to know that he's still a part of the kingdom. I need him to know that I cherish him. I need to, I need him to know that I got him. And that's how God is with us. Yes, we're going to mess up. Yes, we're going to make mistakes. Yes, sometimes we might even use the Lord's name vainly. But God is such a good God that he got on the cross and died knowing we were going to do that so that he can lovingly lead us through the journey of sanctification so that we can always remember. And this is why I said you cannot graduate from the gospel that that no matter what you've got going on, God is not going to leave you, that he's not going to forsake you, that he died for you. He died for your sins and he died for your sins, knowing you were going to mess up, knowing that you were going to make mistakes, knowing that you were going to fall short. But he, but he loves us so much that he lovingly lead us, leads us through that path of sanctification so that we can be molded and shaped into his image, molded and shaped to be more like him, molded and shaped to realize, oh, sh I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes. I've fallen short. But the God of the universe knows that I've made these mistakes. He knows that I've fallen short and he still loves me. He still cares about me. He still loves me enough that he's willing to lovingly lead me through my mistakes, much like a child lovingly being led by his parents through the mistakes that they make, that, that they make and not just being browbeat because they made a mistake. Like how much, how more, how much more loving is a parent when they can say, yes, you messed up. And yes, there may be a consequence to this, but let me explain to you why you made this, how this mistake came to be. Let me explain to you what you should have done. Let me explain to you how this could be different. Let me show you the path that you need to walk on to do better the next time. How much more effective is that than just, I'm taking something from you. I'm beating you down. And when we're, when we're shown the way to righteousness, shown the path to peace and know that we are still loved. We are still cared for. We are still, you know, desired of our parents in that same way. That is the nature and the character of God where, yeah, we might have to suffer a consequence for making mistakes, but the consequence is not such to where we are, um, you know, being browbeat or being cast down or being beat down, but rather God is lovingly leading us in the right relationship that he has with us to show us how we are to be more like him. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. I want to thank you guys for the almost 6,000 likes that we have so far. Rochelle, you are a rock star in my book. I also thank the gift givers who have given so far. Um, I know Dark Skills, 
um, has given a gift. I saw some, uh, a couple of others um, that gave gifts as well. I really do appreciate y'all so, so much. Know that your gifts are going straight toward the upkeep of the true gospel ministry. Not a single dime ever goes to me. So I'm not getting paid off of any of this stuff. I got my own job, pay my own bills, make my own money. So you ain't never got to worry about me trying to grift y'all in any way, shape or form. I'm just grateful to have a platform to be able to share some truth with you guys. And so I'm grateful from the bottom of my heart for every gift that you give. And again, know that it all goes toward the upkeep of all the subscriptions necessary to keep our website up, to keep the um the podcast up and all those things. And so I appreciate y'all so, so much. I'm going to be here for the next hour and seven minutes. I'm here with you guys every Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. So make sure you are following me and make sure that you are subscribed to me. So that way you get the alerts every time that we go live. Um, and I'm again, grateful for all my day ones and hope that you guys continue to watch um, the show. Um, I'm going to go through these comments real quick. I saw somebody had some questions earlier. And so I want to see, um, you know, what those questions were. Um, let me see what we got going on. Um, uh, let me see what we got, 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 what we got. Um, um, this one guy said, why won't blacks discuss reparations in civil and cerebral thought? Do you support reparations for whites that fought, died, life and limb to free blacks? Um, so the way that I feel about it, is and I really do appreciate you. I appreciate you, Dark Skills, and appreciate you, Rochelle, um, for coming in and hope that you can follow me. Um, we're here every Monday through Friday, um, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Um, Eastern Standard Time. Um, so definitely come back and um, and, 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 and watch the show um, and, co and contribute um, as you guys are. Um, just to really quickly address that question before I address um, Dark Skills' question, um, you know, I do believe that we all should be. Um, taken care of um, as it's prescribed in the Bible. God takes care of his people. And so I believe that anybody um, that has gone through something should be taken care of in some type of way. Um, you know, and so that's kind of the short end and the long end of it for me. Um, now, as it pertains to, you know, um, you know, blacks here in America, um, I do believe that, you know, reparations would not be a bad thing um, for us. Um, in light of everything that we did go through um, in slavery, um, I also do believe that people who are, were of support um, of, you know, blacks being free should get something too, maybe. But I, but here's the thing: I believe all of us need something. Can, let, can, can, I, can I can I can I talk to y'all for a minute? Like, listen, there are so many people that are struggling in this world today. I don't look at it as a black and white thing. I look at it from a have and a have not thing. I believe that we all should work very hard for the things that we want and need in this life. God said, if you don't work, you don't eat. And so I believe everybody should be hardworking. I believe everybody should do what they can to get what the, to do what they can in this life. But I also do believe that it is, you know, a governmental responsibility to make sure that your people are taken care of. And that if you see your people struggling, you should be the first ones to step in and say, what can we do to help? And I think that's where we as a country fall woefully short. We only take care of things as a matter of convenience and a matter of optics. We don't really take care of things because it's the right thing to do. There are so many situations and so many circumstances that we've seen over the course of the past several decades alone, um, just in these past two decades alone, where obviously the government needs to step in and do something. Obviously, the government needs to step in and make change. Obviously, the government needs to step in and make the and, and, and make a difference in this area. But far too often, they only do things when it moves them. They only do things when it's convenient for them. 
They only do things when it's when it's there, when it's when it's when when the optics are the greatest to do. When it's an election season, or when you know when you know it won't count, cost them votes or anything of that nature. You know, we don't see the government really stepping in when it matters, stepping in when it counts, and doing what is absolutely necessary to make things happen for the sake of the people. Um, and in that same way, you know, I feel like um, I feel like we should be um, we, we we as a people should be able to um, should be willing to step up if we have the ability to step up. You know, that we should be willing to help those who are in need, to help those when they are, you know, when 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 they need something and we have it to give. Um, and so I see it on an individual level. I see it on a governmental level that we should be the hands and feet of Jesus that are willing to give when we can, to do when we can, to support where we can and to not do it just for optics or to do it just for likes. But instead, we're doing it because it's the right thing to do as so moved by the Holy Spirit. Um, Dark Skills asks, do you think having Marvel or DC action figures or movies are okay to be in the household? Absolutely. Yes. Yes, I do. I mean, clearly, I mean, I think you can kind of tell already if you just look back there. I love Marvel. You know, the Mar the, 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 um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is mwah, chef's kiss. Um, and so, yes, I absolutely believe you can, you can have these collectibles. And here's the thing, you know, it's not about the collectibles themselves, but it's about what they mean to you. It's about what they're doing for you. Like, I'm not out here m worshiping Black Panther or Captain America or, you know, Iron Man, Thanos, none of that. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worshiping these things. Um, but do I like them? 100%. Um, I like video games. I got a collection of video games. Um, you know, I, um, I've watched, um, you know, I, I've watched a lot of TV and I watch a lot of, um, those things and those things have expired, inspired me to write my own fantasy novel series. Um, and I watch these things. Um, and when I'm watching them, I'm watching them through the lens of the gospel. I'm always looking to see how is this telling the story of Jesus Christ? How is this? How is this a, 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 a mantra of the of the manifestation manifestation of the word? You know, and so when I so when I have these, when I'm watching these things, when I'm informed of these things, you know, I allow these I allow these things to tell me and paint the picture of Jesus Christ. Now, you do have some people who do believe, like you know, if you bring these things into your home and you bring these things into 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 your house, now you're all now you're creating altars and 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 worshiping and and and, and celebrating these things in a worshiping kind of way. Paul said it like this. Um, I am ashamed because some of you are worship are are, sell, are now you know following after a different a different gospel. Not that there is one, because there is no other gospel. In that same way, none of these things are gods. For there is one, because there is no other gospel. In that same way, none of these things are gods for me. Now, you know, you have some people who will sit up here and worship stuff like this. But I always tell, I always tell them, you got to watch your heart's posture. You got to watch your heart's posture. What are you devoting your life to? Because that is far worse of a God than anything you could bring into. These things don't have power. The, the, the Lego set that I built the, of, 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 the, of the Thanos, of the Thanos um, Infinity Gauntlet and the Iron Man Infinity Gauntlet, they don't have any power. 
They only have power if I give them power. The, the Rubik's Cubes that are behind me, they only have power if I give them power. The, the, the puzzles that I have, they only have power if I give them power. The books that I have that are littered across my bookshelf, they only have power if I give them power. I can be highly informed and have a library full of books and they can be written by all sorts of kinds of people, but I'm not worshiping the words or worshiping the book. You know, there are people who, you know, um, who could bring in a whole host of different things, but their heart's posture is what God is looking after. It's what God is seeking after. Because at the end of the day, if you're not careful, you know, your job can be your God. Your spouse can be your God. Your kids can be your God. Your jewelry can be your God. Your hobbies can be your God. Going outdoors and being outdoors all the time can become a God. Anything has the power to be God-like in your life. You can have collections of things. No doubt about that. You can have collections of all sorts of things. But any of those collections can become godly if those things become the most important thing to you. Like if somebody came and, you know, and, 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 and demolished, you know, the Iron, the, the Iron Man Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. Will it hurt my feelings? Yeah. But I'm not about to sit here and go and be broken up about like, oh, my God, oh, my life is over. And without my Infinity Gauntlet, oh, my God, what's wrong, God? I'm not going to. Like, no, if I'm falling apart over Lego pieces, then I need, I definitely need to go get my heart checked, you know, but that's how a lot of us are, where if the one thing, going back to what we said earlier, if the one thing that God has given us, you know, if, if he were to take it away through whatever, whatever his will is in order for it to be gone, if he were to take it away from us, how would that affect us and impact us? Would we fall apart so badly to where we think our lives are over? When we would our would our lives fall apart, you know? And yes, I mean you're absolutely right. Like you know, um, he says, um, like how people say music saves my soul. No, only Jesus can save your soul. Exactly. Again, music may be good for the soul, but it should not be the thing that we run to every single time that we're in need of a soul fix. No, Jesus should be the one. Now we can find Jesus in music without question, but we should not be running to music as if music is the thing that's going to soothe our soul. No, we should be running to the Savior, running to, running to the God of the universe. Now, we can see God if we have the eyes to see him, as it says in Romans chapter 1, God is plainly seen in all of creation. So even a, a movie, can, can we can find Jesus in the movie. We can find Jesus in music. But we should not be looking to those things to find Jesus when Jesus has made himself plainly seen in scripture, in our souls, by virtue of the Holy Spirit, and again, out in the universe. So again, we can have all these things, you know, but these things should be pointers to the Savior, pointers to the cross, pointers to God. Where is God in this thing? Where is God in in what I'm looking at? Where is God in what I'm watching? Where is God in what I'm listening to? Where is God in the things that I'm reading? 
where is God in the things that I'm paying attention to? Because again, it's if we if we just you know only have God things in the house, you know that's not going to make a hill of difference if you don't know the God of the things. And so, just like Jesus said to the uh, to the um to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think that there's life in them, but no, there, there's no life in the scriptures themselves because the scriptures are pointing to me, and I am life. So the scriptures are pointing you to the one who has life. Yes, yes, yeah, scriptures are God breathed, but the scriptures are meant to be a pointer to the one. And as a result, we see in um in the, at the end of I believe the book of Luke where he's talking to the he's talking to two of his disciples walking along the um the, the road to Emmaus, and they're so busted up and 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 and, and um depressed because they're like you know well God you know God ain't here you know he died. And Jesus is like, man, y'all forgot already? Well, let me tell you, to walk you through these scriptures. This is who Jesus is. From Genesis to Malachi for those boys, this is who Jesus is. This is who Jesus was. And as a result, you know, this is, I'm here. Like, everything in the scripture was pointing to me. And so, again, the scriptures are meant to point us to the Savior. Movies are meant to point us to the Savior. Music is meant to point us to the Savior. I, we listen. Um, there's a song that Alicia Keys sings all the time. Uh, Alicia Keys, sing, she didn't sing all the time. There's a song that I sing all the time that Alicia Keys sang that says, some people want it all, but I don't want nothing at all if I ain't got you, baby. Right? And I, and I talk about that song all the time when I tell people, you know, Alicia Keys was on to something. Some people want it all. But I don't want nothing at all if I ain't got you, Jesus. If I ain't got you, Jesus. Some people want diamond rings. Some just want everything. But everything means nothing if I ain't got you. Talking to Jesus. See, even our R&B and some of our songs, if we pay enough attention to them, we can hear the gospel message being preached even through songs that, aren't, that don't have anything to do with him. If we have the ears to hear. If we're paying enough attention. Again, it's not to say that we need to be singing those songs in church. Like, I'm not about to go to church and be like, okay, so we finna um, sing a song based on Alicia Keys, you know? <clears throat> like, we, I'm not finna sing that in church, but I can listen to a good R&B song, a good R&B song, because come on, some of these songs that we listen to nowadays is just straight garbage. But, you know, but I can listen to a good R&B song and find the gospel even in that. Uh, um, Dark Skill says my sister won't listen to music anymore because of the Umbrella song by Rihanna. I mean, hey, to each his own. God says in the word, you know, you got to be convicted. And if you're convicted, hey, do what you do. No one's, no one's stopping your personal conviction. But don't prescribe your personal convictions to everyone as if if I'm listening to music that is um, that is secular, then I'm going to hell because no, I'm not. Even Paul, when he went, um, went to the Acropolis, he told them, y'all are, you know, out here doing your thing and you're worshiping all these gods and you got a statue out here to the unknown God. I know who that God is, you know? So even Paul said, you know, if I wanted to gain a Jew, I had to become a Jew to be, to, to gain a Gentile. I had to become a Gentile. Like I have to know the language and the and the customs of my people enough to where I am informed to be able to speak truth to power, to speak truth to what's going on. So again, I'm not, if, if their person feels that way, 
do what they do. You know, if, if you feel personally convicted by that, do what you do, but don't prescribe your personal convictions in a gray area to everybody as if your way is the way to God. Because only because Christ said, I am the way, not the, a specific set of rules. That's religion, a specific set of practices. That's religion. Jesus said, I am the way. So we're following him and not a religious set of rules as if those rules make us holy because they don't. Christ makes us holy by the finished work that he did on the cross. You're listening to the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live. We're certainly appreciative of um, of you guys for taking the time to listen to everything that's been said thus far. And thank you guys for taking the time to come and watch this um, this show. We really do appreciate y'all so, so much. Um, Dark Skills uh, asked the question, does he answer questions? Anyone know? Um, I don't know if you were talking specifically to me or if you're talking um, talking to um, talking about God. Um, so let me know if you were talking about me or if you were talking about God. Um, and then I'll, and then if you are talking about God, then I'll answer the question. Um, but, yeah, um, I certainly do appreciate y'all taking the time to uh, watch the show and to be here with me live again. I'm here from 6 a.m. To 8 a.m. Okay, Dark Skill says it was about me. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yes, um, I do. Um, I do. Um, answer obviously answer questions. I try to do the um the the um, the first you know go round. Just kind of talk until we get to a satisfying conclusion, and then jump down into the comment box. So thank you for staying on long enough to have the, um your questions answered, man. Because I really didn't want to get to um your questions, and so I really do uh, thank you for that. Um, corn dog butter asks, does God care for everyone? Um, short answer. Yes, he does. Is there something specific in mind that you're referring to when you ask that question? Uh, because, um, because the, the, the short answer is yes. Uh, God does care for every last one of us. Um, he created us in his image. Um, and as the, in as the image that which we are patterned after, he cares for every last one of us, um, as we are created in his image and created in his likeness. So yes, he absolutely does care about every last one of us. Um, even if he, um, Corndall Butter says, even if you're a bad person, yes. Um, we talked about this a little bit last week. Um, and so I'm gonna bring it up again. Um, good and bad is relative to the culture in which you live in, Right. And so God is not looking at you through the lens of good and bad. He's looking at you through the lens of righteous versus unrighteous. And that is a completely different thing compared to good and bad. And you can find this in scripture, right? Where Jesus was doing a good thing. He never did a, he never did a thing wrong, but in his culture, Everything he did right was considered wrong to the leaders in which in, in the space in which he lived in. Everything he said, everything he did was absolutely foul because it ran contrary to the culture in which he lived in. So good and bad is relative to the culture that you live in. And God does not live in a space of good versus bad. He lives in a space of righteous versus unrighteous. What do I mean by that? 
God says to us that there is no one perfect. No, not one. There's no one who does good. Everyone does um, does evil in his eyes. And let me, and I'm going to go to Romans chapter three to explain this. Paul says in verse number, um, in um, verse, starting with verse number nine, what then are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. We have already charged that all both Jews and Greeks are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Um, furthermore, down in verse 20, verse 20, um, verse 21, the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood, to be received by faith. This was to show his righteousness, God's righteousness in his divine forbearance, for he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. <laughs> and so what he's saying today, what he's saying is that, you know, God's righteousness is so righteous that even on our best day, we can be the grace, the greatest people on earth, done all of the greatest things that you could ever imagine. Our righteousness, as it says in Isaiah 64, is still but a filthy rag before God. And filthy rag in that term was talking about a used menstrual cloth, a bloody tampon. That is what our goodness, our goodness looks like in the eyes of a good God. We can never outmatch the goodness of God. We can never outmatch the goodness of God ever. And so does God care about bad people? Absolutely. He does, because despite our evilness, despite our badness, Christ got on a cross and died. Christ got on a cross and died for our sins. Christ got on a cross and said, for them, I'm going to sacrifice my life. Those, you know, um, and he says it in, in Romans chapter 5, and I'm reading from the English Standard in case anyone's wondering. In Romans chapter 5, he says, um, in verse number 6, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, 
we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. And so what we see is that God loves each and every one of us. Each and every one of us, despite where we are in our lives, despite what we've done, despite our rebellion against him. And some of us are living in outright rebellion against God. Can we call a spade a spade? Some of us, we don't want nothing to do with God. Like we, we have said it and we'll say it to we're blue in the face. I don't want nothing to do with Jesus. I don't want nothing to do with God. I'm so tired. I don't know. I don't want nothing to do with him. And they have the various reasons why they want nothing to do with him. And yet, even when you wanted nothing to do with him, Christ still died for each and every one of them and each and every one of us. And as a result, what God tells us is that we are to love, we are, we, we, that we are loved by him. We are loved by God. We are treasured by God. We are uh, adored by God. We are valued by God. And so the challenge is not whether we're good or bad. That's not the issue. The issue is, are we righteous or unrighteous? And for all of us, we are unrighteous. We are unrighteous on our own. We need the righteousness of God. We need the righteousness of God to make us righteous before God. And in doing and that requires us to repent and believe in Jesus so that we can be called the righteousness of God. We're going to make mistakes. Even after we become a part of the kingdom, we're still going to make mistakes. We're still going to fall short. We're still going to do things that are contrary to the will of God. And yet God loves us enough to where he, his love covers a multitude of sins as he's patterning us and molding us and shaping us into being more and more like him. And so we, as the people of God, it's not a question of good versus bad. All of us are woefully short, fallen woefully short to the righteousness of God. We have woefully missed the mark against God. Like, we are so far from him, like, we will never, ever, 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 ever get to a point where we can put our righteousness up against God and say, hey, God, look, look at how good I am. He's going to look at us like, really? Really? After everything I told, don't walk through through Genesis and Revelation? You still think you got you still you still think you're worthy. We are all unworthy. So it's not about it's not about our worthy. It's not about being good or bad. Because again, good or bad is relative. Christ in the right country, in the right situation, in the right circumstances may have never been put on a cross. But in the in the state that he was in, everything that he did good, there were the 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 the, 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 the right people found him to be wrong in every way, shape, or form. Everything he did was wrong. Everything he did was foul. Everything he did was against that culture and against that time. So people in that day and age would have considered Christ a bad person. There are people in our lives right now that we consider to be the best people on earth. But guess what? Without a relationship with Jesus Christ, their goodness is not going to get them into the kingdom. There are people who we would consider to be bad people And yet God in his infinite wisdom 
has replaced the heart of stone with a heart of flesh. And a lot of those people, they probably a lot of those people reside in prison right now. I can't believe that God would ever love a mass murderer. I can't believe that God would ever love someone who did such such heinous things. Yeah, that's a hard pill for us to swallow, but it goes to show that God's love it has no respect to persons. And those people who we consider to be the worst of the worst, God counts them in the kingdom because that heart of stone has been replaced with a heart of flesh. And God did that work. And so, again, good and bad, good and bad does not equate, does not equate to goodness and badness in the eyes of God. God is not looking at us from the place of good and bad. He's looking at the place of righteous versus unrighteous. And the only way to get into this kingdom is we got to repent and believe in Jesus. That's the only way to get into the kingdom. Christ said it himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man shall come to the father except through me. It's not, so it's not about your good works. It's not about turning your life around. It's not about you becoming this good person. Rather, it's about you accepting Christ as Lord and Savior, receiving the Lord Jesus, and patterning your life after him, repenting and denouncing all of your past and all of your lusts and all of your temptations and all of your you know, ambition and all of your goals, and turning to Christ, your allegiance, your affections, your desires, your will, they're all turned toward him. And again, pushing all your chips in and saying, I am. If I'm wrong about Christ, and I tell this to anybody who listens to the sound of my voice, if I'm wrong about Jesus, when I get to when we get to the end game, I'm done. That's game over for me. Because again, there's no other way. And I, 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 that's that's all I got. That's all. That's all I'm putting my chips in. I put all my eggs are in this basket. I am all in 100. If I'm wrong about Jesus, and we get to the end game. And Jesus ain't there. I am done because I believe in nothing else. I believe in nobody else. I believe that there is nothing else in my in in life that you know that that matters compared to Christ Jesus. And so again, I say all that to say to us today: your goodness is not going to get you in. Your good works are not going to get you into the kingdom. Your good works are not going to allow you to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. What will get you in is Christ's righteousness, Christ's goodness, the perfect life that he lived. He credits to us so that that gives us entry into the kingdom. There is nothing you can do to get in except repent and believe in Jesus. That is it. Now, um, G.K. David, too, says faith without works is dead. You're absolutely right. But your works are a byproduct of salvation. They are not the prerequisite for salvation. Our faith produces the work and our faith comes after salvation, not before. And so as you are becoming more and more like Christ, God is molding and shaping you into who he is. Um, Dark Skill says, I'm reading the NIV Bible. Is that a bad Bible to read? Not at all. It's, um, the Bible, um, the NIV is a phrase by phrase translation um, and so it's a it's a very reliable source. Um, I read from the ESV, which is a literal word for word translation, but they both basically say the same thing. So you're good when it comes to translation. And we can talk about that a little bit in a minute. Um, but again, your works are not going to get you into the kingdom. So do not rely on your works to get you in, because, again, you 
have to believe in Jesus. You have to repent toward Jesus. You have to repent and believe in Jesus. Um, and so, um, and so I hope that answers the question there. Um, let me see. The Bible is idolatry said, um, a lot of stuff. Um, so let me see where, where we want to start. Um, does, did God love all the people he drowned? Where was God's love for the Moabites or Hittites? 10 plagues is how God expressed his love to the Egyptian firstborn. Can't help but notice that God is threatening people with, he loves with hellfire. Start to think that God's idea of love is entirely sadomasochist. Um, you see, it's not about ethics or morals, or it doesn't matter if you're good or bad. It's about blind authoritarian violence in the face of psychopathic violence, obedience, domestication, abject servility. Um, let's see. All right. So let me, so, um, you take care of yourself too, Dark Skills. It's good to see you, man. Come back tomorrow. Please come back tomorrow if you can. Really do appreciate you coming on, um, coming on the live. I really do appreciate you coming on the live. And, um, and GK David, we'll talk about those, um, translations in just a minute. Um, and, and, and give you some insight that I think may be helpful for you there. Um, but let's talk about, you know, God in the plagues, right? Let's talk about God in the plagues. Um, well, no, well, no, 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 uh, hold on. Corn dog butter says that God accepts you for who you are. So give you the short, ver let me give you a shortened version. Cause I want to get back on the, on the plagues and stuff. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. That is the short answer to that. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. But now, in the words of Tim Ross on the, on the podcast, The Basement, God loves you and wants a relationship with you. And once you're in here, you are going to have to give some stuff up in order to be like him. In order to be like him. Um, where's my note? Here we go. In the same way he died for you, you now have to die for him. You have to die to your will. You have to die to your way. You have to die to your desires. You have to die to your agenda. And because this is a king and not a presidential candidate, we cannot rewrite the Constitution. We cannot rewrite the Constitution. So, yeah, God loves you for who you are, but he's also going to change you, too. It's not, an, it's not an either or. It's a both and. He loves you. Come into the kingdom. Notice again what I've said. God is not expecting you to change to come into the kingdom. No. You come into the kingdom upon repentance and belief. God transforms the heart of stone into a heart of flesh. He, trans, he transfers heart of stone out, heart of flesh in. Gives you a desire to love him according to Ezekiel chapter 36. He replaces the heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh, a heart that will love him, a heart that will honor him, a heart that will serve him. He does that work. And that same heart is now going to turn your affections toward him, where you are not going to be the same person that you were when you first believed. When you first believed, you, you, you were one way. You are going to be something completely different. Completely different. So completely different than who you are today. And so again, you got to be. So again, it's not an either or. You come in as you are, 
but you are not going to walk your walk with God and think that he's just going to let you stay who you are. No, he's going to change some stuff. Some things are going to be easy. Some things are going to be hard to deal with, but you are going to be changed because that's the, that is what sanctification is all about. But you don't change to get into the kingdom. You get into the kingdom and then you are becoming sanctified, being molded and shaped into the image of Christ from one degree of glory to the next. Now, I see a bunch of stuff going on about um, Bible translations. And so I'm going to say the same thing that I said in a previous um, show last week. Um, you, we got to be careful when we talk about translations being the most accurate versus being the least accurate. And here's the reason why. Translations are translations. They are translations. They are not the original text. So none of us are reading the original Bible. None of us are reading the original books. We're all reading translations. The Bible that we got from 1611 from King James is not the Bible that was that the people prior to 1611 were using and they still got saved. There were different translations of the Bible before King James's version. And yet we got a lot of people from the time that Jesus was born, even before the time that Jesus was born to 1610 where people were being saved by different translations of the Bible. And so we got to get out of this mindset that our faith began in 1611 with King James. That's not where our faith began. People were using different translations of the text prior to 1611's King James Version. And those people still saved, still delivered, still set free, still the, the bonds were broken, chains were broken, and... No, we never complain about the, the translations prior to 1611, but it seems like we all want to stand on King James as the only authorized version of the Bible, but it's not. And all of our ancestors prior to 1611 are the proof that that's not the case. King James's version is just a translation. King James's version is just a translation. It is not the original text. Furthermore, the translations that we have today, they did not, they did not come from King James to now. They went back to the original text, the original Hebrew, the original, um, the original Greek. And yes, you're absolutely right. They're saved by the Holy Spirit, but they're saved by the Holy Spirit in light of the scriptures that they had. Even the Bereans in the same scriptures we're talking about went back to the original Hebrew text, not King James. They went to the original Hebrew text and looked to see whether or not those, the things that Paul and, um, and I think it was Silas were saying to them were accurate. So they themselves went back to the original Hebrew texts here, the original Hebrew text and said, it's true. What they're saying is true. So again, we got to get out of this mindset that the King James Version is the only version of the Bible that, you know, that, that we ought to be studying in order to be more enriched and enlivened and have the Holy Spirit speak to us. That's simply not so. Can I call a spade a spade? Reading the scriptures is not what saved me. Reading the scriptures is not what delivered me. Um, it's not, what, it's not what, what God used in order to save me. Um, let me turn this around. This is the book that God used to save my soul called the explicit gospel. And in this, in, in this book, 
he did not use the King James version of the Bible in order to explain the, the, the scriptures that he was explaining. And so, again, the Holy Spirit does that work. You're absolutely right. So furthermore, the Holy Spirit is the one that's using these same texts that are um, that are be, that have been translated from the original Greek and the original Hebrew, New International Version, the, uh, the English Standard Version, the American Standard Version. All these are just different translations of the original text. They went back to the original Hebrew language, the original Greek language and translated them. Furthermore, furthermore, if we claim that King James Version is the only version of the Bible, is the only authorized version of the Bible, then what are we saying to those who speak completely different languages than English? Because those are not King James versions of Bibles that they're reading in order to in order to enrich and enrich their relationship with God. You got African language, you got, um, you know, there's so many different languages and just the African continent itself. You have, um, you have the, the Chinese language, you got Japanese language, you got Spanish language, you got, um, Portuguese, you got, um, you know, Danish, you got French, you got German. None of them are reading the King James version of the Bible. So what are we saying to them? That they're not in the kingdom because they didn't read the King James version? They're not being enriched because they're not reading the King James version? That's not so. That's not so. So again, we got to get out of this mindset of thinking that the King James Version is the only version of the Bible that we can read that's going to give us a relationship with God. Once again, we got to get out of the mindset of thinking that in the scriptures we find life. No, it's in Christ. The scriptures are pointing to Jesus. That's what matters the most. That's what matters most of all. Do these scriptures point us to the Savior? If these scriptures point us to the Savior, then that is what matters the most, not what version of the Bible we're reading. Because again, at the end of the day, they're just translations. And there are too many good people that have done too much good work to get us word for word translations to then discount them simply because it's not the, it's not the original book from 1611. And I'm and again, and even in you saying that I'm right, like I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, prove myself at all. What I'm wanting to do is to help people be free because there are a lot of people who have been told you ain't reading the King James Version. You ain't reading the right Bible. No, that's not true. Whatever version you can understand, go get that thing. Go get that thing. And now if you find something that's a little off. Go talk to somebody, talk to God, talk to talk to a church member, talk to somebody to ask them, hey, you know, I read this in the scriptures and, you know, and in this version, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Can you help me understand and unpack this? Like ask questions, but don't think that because you're reading a different version of the Bible means that you're not that you're not in right standing with God, because that's not that's not so. The scriptures are pointing to Jesus, whatever version of that you have, it's pointing to Jesus. And so. Let us not let us not get caught up in what version of the Bible we're reading, because at the end of the day, if they're pointing us to the Savior, then to God be the glory. But again, if you do have questions about the version that you're reading because something don't seem right, ask. Because (coughs) sometimes the translators might get it wrong. That's why I say make sure you go to places like BibleHub.com. Go to the original Hebrew. And look and see what word, what that word meant, because sometimes we can think one word to mean one thing and the Hebrew language or the Greek language meant something completely different. 
And so go seek and seek to understand what these scriptures are telling you. But again, um, we got to get out of this, 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 this debate of which version is the best version to read, because at the end of the day, it's not about the version. It's about do you understand the words? Do you understand what it's saying? Because if you don't understand what it's saying, you don't know who it's talking to. and You don't know who you know, who who it is that's, that's speaking or whatever the case is. Then what's the point of reading it? Read what you can understand and seek guidance and seek the spirit to help you to understand and unpack the scriptures. But don't make it don't make it extra difficult for yourself by reading a version you don't get. It's almost like me going trying to read the Chinese version of the Bible and being mad because I don't understand the Chinese version of the Bible. I don't understand Chinese. Why would I go to the Chinese text if I can't understand it? I'm going to go to a text that I understand, one that speaks the language that I speak. All these different translations are simply translating to the times in which they are in. And so, again, let us not get caught up in what version of the Bible we're reading. And instead, think about the God of the scriptures and what he is unpacking as he's speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on um excuse me on TikTok Live. Somebody said your ancestors and here you are preaching. What's wrong with you? A dump, and I need something to wipe. Man, oh my God! Let me get some in. Let me get some pages in some pages. Wow. Um, the gym crew. Everybody's still going on because look at who you're preaching to. My goodness. Okay. Um, well, listen, I'm again, I tell people all the time, I'm not going to knock you for believing how you believe and doing what you do. You know, hey, if you want to, you know, be that upset with God and want to worship the ancestors, so be it. That's necromancy, according to the text and stuff. And so we ain't down with worshiping the ancestors, there ain't but one God. But when I spoke about my ancestors, I'm talking about my Christian brothers and sisters that go all the way back throughout the Bible and, and through our and through our, our, our earlier church. And so, yes, they are my brothers and my sisters. Whether they black, white, purple, pink, it doesn't matter. If you are a believer, we are family. Because what does Christ what does Christ say through the words of Paul? There is no there's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no Scythian, there's no free, there's no slave. Like we are all in the body of Christ. And so yes, I'm talking to talking about my ancestors, the ones who studied these texts and said, you know, God is real. And let's push this thing and let's make sure that we tell as many people as Christ told us, go ye therefore and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them in every way that I have told you. And yo, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Like, yeah, those are my ancestors, man. And I'm great. And I'm grateful. I don't worship them, though. I ain't out here worshiping my ancestors. I'm out here. I'm, I'm, I look to their example, but I look to Jesus. Jesus is the one that I worship and Jesus is the one that I speak to. I don't I'm not talking to my ancestors. I ain't talking to Augustine saying, Augustine, please guide my guide me and lead me as I figure out how to live my life for Christ. Like I'm not praying to no Augustine. I ain't praying to no Mary. I ain't praying to no Joseph. Like, I ain't praying to the ancestors. I'm praying to Jesus because Jesus, Jesus is all the ancestor I need. The Holy Spirit is all the ancestor I need. God is the only is all the ancestor that I need you know, to help me throughout my walk. And so, yeah, you know, yeah, I got ancestors. I got a bunch of brothers and sisters who have loved, who lived, breathed, and died the, the, the faith. And I look to them as the example to help me live out my faith from one degree of glory to the next. 
But again, I'm not worshiping them. I'm not speaking to them. I talk about them, but I ain't talking to them. I'm talking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. So again, you guys are watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. Um, um, one man cult said, what is the point of life then? Uh, the point of life is to glorify God and to make disciples. That is the point of life, um, that we are to glorify God in everything that we say and do, um, that everything that we do is a reflection of who he is and a reflection of what he has done for us, a reflection of what he's accomplished on the cross, um, that everything that we do reflects his character and nature. And so wherever he has positioned you in life, your light, your, 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 um, your point is to shine like a God dang flashlight, like a God dang lighthouse shine as bright as the sun so that when people see your good works, they will grow to glorify God. That is, that is our, that is our point in life is to glorify God in both word and deed, um, to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to anyone who will listen, um, and, you know, to make disciples, uh, to share with God, to share with people the goodness of God in hopes that God will spur, spur them to live a life, a, a life pattern after him. That is the point of life. Um, the point of life is to glorify God in the glorious in the, in the glorious and great expectation of the life that is coming for us. Like this world is not the way God designed it to be. This world is not the way that God intended it to be. God intended this world to be infinity percent better than what it is right now. And God is asking each and every one of us to um, walk in such a way to where we are living in this life for the life to come. That we are all being uh, molded and shaped into God's image, awaiting that glorious day when the when the um, when the not yet becomes the here and now. Um, and so we live our lives every single day in such a way to where we are giving God glory, giving God honor, giving God praise, letting our light shine. Uh, walking with integrity, you know, being the difference in the lives of others, showing people a different path, showing them a different way of being, um, being the difference um, in, in for a lot of people to see. And in doing so, hoping that they will see us and glorify God uh, as they grow curious as to why we're being the difference in the world. Um, and so that is the point of life, uh, that we glorify God and that we make disciples. Um, and so, yeah. Um um, here's something um, I'm confused about. How did Jesus pass on that much knowledge? Holy Spirit, man. Holy Spirit. First um, Corinthians chapter two speaks on this. And I love and I, this is one of my favorite verses because it really um, flies in the face of the prosperity gospel um, and tells people in the prosperity gospel that they really need to read their Bibles. Um, here it is. Verse number um starting in verse six of chapter two of first Corinthians among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the spirit. For the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? 
So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And so what God tells us is that if we want to know something, if we want to know something, we simply have to have the spirit and the spirit passes on this knowledge. It says in the book of John that um, God, that Christ said to his disciples, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to leave you the comforter. The comforter's job is to instruct you and to remind you of everything that I taught you. And so don't feel like you're out here just trying to figure this stuff out on your own. You have a Holy Spirit that lives in you. If you repent and believe in Jesus, that will share with you the knowledge of Christ. Again, he said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. And he wants to impart all of this wisdom and all of this knowledge to anyone who believes. You don't have to go to seminary school. You don't have to become a, a, a religious scholar. You don't have to have read so many thousands of thousands upon thousands of books. You can just know God and have the Holy Spirit instruct you on what these texts mean. Through the gospel lens by which we view all things, the Holy Spirit will reveal to us the things that God wants us to know. As we study the text, as we study the scripts, as we study, you know, this, as we study the scrolls, he helps us to better understand the character and the nature of God. And so that is how God passes on this knowledge to us. We have a living God by virtue of the Holy Spirit living inside of us that is teaching and instructing us in all truth. That is how we learn. That is how we roll. That is how we understand and unpack these scriptures. I tell people this all the time. You can read all 66 books of the Bible and still not know Jesus. You can have you can have all of the knowledge of scripture and still not know Jesus. So it takes Jesus to get to know Jesus on a deep and intimate way to where you can read the same scripture 6000 ways. You can read the scripture 6000 ways in 6 that 6000 different paths and still not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so again, that is how, that is how we get to know our God. That is how we get to know our Savior. We get to know him by the Holy Spirit that lives in us and teaches us and leads us and guides, guides us in all truth. Now, having said that, there again are a lot of different books that you can read on having a better relationship with the Lord. And that is super duper bright. So I can get that contrast to come down, but there's so many different books that you can buy. Um, I just went on a tear this past weekend to get me some brand new books. I think this book right here is the best explanation of what the gospel is. And so if anyone's ever trying to understand and unpack what the gospel is, this book, the explicit gospel, let me turn my camera around. Um, um, this is the best book that I think anybody could ever read on what the gospel is called the explicit gospel. 
it, it really goes and unpacks what we believe in as the people of God. Um, I've, I've went on a tear this past weekend. I've got this book called Urban Apologetics Part Two um, by um, Eric Mason. He's a, a diehard dude. Um, Words with God, um, that, which teaches us how to have a, um, a better prayer life. Um, and this is written by um, Addison Bevere. The Awe of God got this book as well. Um, which is written by John Bevere. Um, I got um, Killing Kryptonite by John Bevere, and I can't wait to get into this one. Like this, this the one. This is probably one that I'm going to be talking about on the show. Once I get past Delighting with God and get in here, whoo-wee, I can't wait to tear that one up um, again. And this is um, Urban Apologetics, the the first book of Urban Apologetics by Eric Mason. Um, and then I got a whole library right there. Like it's just full of different books on discipleship, life as a Christian, Christian fundamentals, dealing with sin, dealing with our demons, um, all how to preach the gospel and how to talk to people about Jesus. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff um, in there. And so um, and so to that end, that is what, you know, God, you know, would have for us to know. And if I have for us to, um, to, so then the Holy Spirit just weaves his way through all these texts to help us to have a better understanding and relationship with him. Um, let's see. The Bible is idolatry. Um, and so, so here it is. Um, Bible is idolatry. Um, I don't want to argue with you because you've made it up in your mind that you are staunchly against God. So I'm not going to argue with you. Um, I will say though, and you aren't the only one that I find it interesting that for someone who is staunchly against God, that you go out of your way to bully people in an attempt to try to get them out of the relationship with God. And you use bullying tactics as a means to try to push them out of the relationship, out of, out of relationship with God in an attempt to try to find the contradictions and find the little pinpoints and try to find these little things in an attempt to try to get people out of relationship with God. And so, you know, you and people like you, You know, it's very saddening to me to see how angry you are against God and how frustrated you are against God to where you come into this relation. You come into a space like this and mind you, I'm grateful that you're here and I'm not going I'm not going to shut you up because you're actually one of the more respectful you know, trolls that I've had on the show in quite some time. So I'm really grateful that you're here. But you you're constantly saying all these things as if it's going to change our minds. And you're saying these things in an attempt to try to be the antithesis to what we're saying. I love you. God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And so what I want to say in light of everything that you have said, because you've been saying a lot, you've been, you've been saying a whole lot, is that 
God loves you and wants a relationship with you. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. I'm sorry that a lot of the Christians that you've run into have been such to where they have just pushed you away from God. I'm sorry that people treated you like jerks, treated you like, you know, can I call a call a spade a spade assholes and belittled you and hurt you and denigrated you and disrespected you in such a way to where you don't want to have a relationship with God. Ain't nothing I can do about that. Ain't nothing I can do about that. <clears throat> and, and, and again, you know, you can't understand what God wants from you unless and until you give him the opportunity he wants with you. You have hardened, your heart has been so hardened against him that even upon the profession of God loves you and wants a relationship with you, you turn your, you turn your head again, you turn your head away. Like, no, no, he doesn't want a relationship with me because if he wanted a relationship with me, he would say, face, he would say to me face to face. But he has never done that. Like he's never been one to come face to face to a person and say, I love you, want a relationship with you. The closest we've gotten to that is when Jesus lived this life. The close, lived the life that he lived 2,000 years ago. The closest we've gotten to that was when he walked and allowed um, Moses to see his backside. The closest we've gotten to that was when Adam and Eve were walking in the cool of the garden with God. That's the closest we've gotten to that. And yet God is in our face, in the spirit. And so what you're doing and what you're saying, you're putting yourself in the seat of God and telling God, you should show up the way I want you to show up. And then maybe I'll have a relationship with you. That's not how God operates. God does not sit in the seat of, in the seat of, in, 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 we don't, we don't sit in the seat of God, judgment and tell God how to be God. That's not how this works. That's not how this rolls. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. But the way in which you have, you're allowing your finite thinking to dictate the nature and character of God is such to where you are sitting on the throne and are declaring yourself to be God. And that is the original sin. Declaring yourself to be God and telling God how he should be. So I'm, I, I feel sorry for you. And I'm hoping and praying that your heart is not hardened so much so to where when God is hitting you dead in the face and saying, I love you and I want a relationship with you. I love you and I want a relationship with you. I, I love you and I want a relationship with you. Like, he can't say it any plainer than that. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. But if you are so stuck in your finite thinking, your finite thinking, and believe that God has to show up the way that I want him to in order for me to have a relationship with him, then I feel bad for you. I feel bad for you. 
And I'm praying that God will continue to love you, continue to, um, you know, continue to minister to you and continue to give you the opportunity and the ability to, you know, to see and to love and to cherish and to honor him as we do. For at the end of the day, God loves you and wants a relationship with you. Are you willing to accept and believe in him? Are you willing to have a relationship with God? Because he wants a relationship with you. As we've said in the scriptures, he, he desires all of us to come to repentance. He requires all of us to come to belief. But are we willing to love him? Are we willing to accept him? Are we willing to have a relationship with him? Because he stands at the door and knocks. If you want a relationship with him, as Solomon Abuma is saying right now, uh, uh, Solomon Ayuma, I'm sorry, Ayuma is saying, repent, denounce all, everything that you, that you claim to be, the things that you let you care about, that you love, that you cherish, that you worship, denounce those things and say, all of my allegiance, all of my affections, all of my attention is going toward God. I love him. I want him to be at the uppermost of my affections and the uppermost of my, um, of my, my attention. And then believe, cast all of your chips, push all of your chips in with God to say, if we get up to those gates and it ain't Jesus at those gates, we're done. It's over with. Repent and believe. And you can receive the Holy Spirit right now from where you're at and begin a, 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 a flourishing relationship with the Lord. as such to where you're able to love, honor, treasure, and cherish him. Replaces that heart of stone with a heart of flesh and gives you the ability to love him, to honor him, and to treasure him as God will, as God intends. And so repent and believe, my brother. Repent and believe. And if you do those things, you know, you have the whole, you, you will then have received the Holy Spirit. And as such, you will be able to get to have the, the, the God that loves you reign and rule inside of your hearts. Listen, I love y'all so, so much. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being on the live with me today on the True Gospel Morning Show. I thank you guys for the 10,000 likes that we got today. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. I'm so happy. Um, that you guys uh, gave the likes. I'm thankful for the gifts that y'all gave. As always, every gift that you give goes straight to the ministry. None of it goes to me. I'm not getting paid for none of this. I got my own job. I got my own. I got to pay my own bills. Y'all ain't paying none of my bills for me. I ain't like these NPCs out here that's trying to get y'all to give me money. So I thank y'all so, so much from the bottom of my heart for everything that you did today. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for, you know, even the trolls that came in. To, um, to go back and forth. I appreciate y'all as well. This has been an awesome, awesome Monday morning. And so I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. Come back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. for another episode of the True Gospel Morning Show. And as always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.